Welcome to episode number six on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell us their story and the life lessons they have learned along the way. Hi, my name's Conrad Weaver, and I'm your host for the show. I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur, storyteller, and I love sailing. So if you have a sailboat, call me up. I'd love to go out with you. And I'm so happy that you've stopped by today to listen to the show. We're about to hear an interview I did recently with Tim Pecoraro. Tim is a speaker, a coach, a trainer, and the founder of Uphill Strategies and the related podcast, Uphill Conversations. Tim helps entrepreneurs, professionals, and businesses and teams maximize their full potential. He helps them take the necessary steps to achieve their goals with better thinking and doing. My goal is not to get them to change what they believe. I want them to align what they believe with their values. In other words, their values are gonna come from their belief. If you're working on improving your thinking and how it affects your doing, You'll enjoy today's conversation. But first, a word about our sponsor for today's episode. Conjo Studios is an award-winning video production company whose focus is helping you tell your story. They love telling stories that matter. If you have a corporate message or even a documentary you want to produce, Conjo Studios has the experience and knowledge to get the job done on time and within your budget. Visit conjostudios.com, click on the blue Get a Quote button, and let them know what you need. Then watch your stress melt away as their team does the magic of producing your next video or film project. That's Conjo Studios, telling stories that matter. So without further ado, here's my interview with Tim Pecoraro. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Conrad. Absolutely. It's been a while since we connected. We're friends from way back, right? Way back, man. We go back, oh my gosh, <laughs> like to, what is it, the, the late the 90s. 90s? Yeah, yeah. mid-90s, yeah. mid-90s, somewhere around there. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we worked together at a church and uh, just were involved in different you know, things of ministry. And uh, I, I remember the first time I saw you, you were playing in a rock band and you had hair like down to your navel <laughs> <laughs> and we're playing this heavy metal stuff that was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I remember those days, man. I miss those days a lot. The music part, not being that young, but just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the, I miss just making music like that with great guys that just want to just get into something and just riff it out. You know? Yeah. I remember this one show that you guys, rap man the music was so loud like i was getting dizzy <laughs> in the room it was crazy and there was like you know 50 people in the room so yeah. it wasn't, nobody know. was sucking up any sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy so i mean a lot of a uh, lot of water over the dam since then right <laughs> absolutely oh yeah well sound's gotten better and you learn more and you figure things out and so even big crowd small crowd you still can you know today's technology and just knowing more stuff you can you can do things better, which is always yeah. good. So uphill, why uphill? 
Well, because um, everything worth having is uphill. And, um, you know, I had been following John Maxwell since uh, I was 22. And then I had the opportunity, which our old buddy Sam Winger, he got me, uh, took me down to uh, be at an event that John was doing. And I got to meet John. And I remember that was like really me getting an understanding or learning in getting a real grasp and understanding, or at least the beginning of it, uh, to what leadership is supposed to look like. Right. And um, I just became. And John is like the quintessential he, leader. I mean, he's oh, just yeah. like the guru. Oh, still in his 70s, he's just, he's actually putting out stuff to me that blows away besides his DNA, the foundational 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, the stuff he's put out, like this lady's book, Leadership is amazing. And, uh, yeah. but anyways, I got into that and I always had this desire as a, you know, my, I tell people my three nouns are leader, communicator, and artist. And as a, as a creative person, I still need that outlet, not just in making music or making something designing or whatever. I like to be creative in my communication. I like effective and clear communication. I like helping people understand things with analogies and metaphors, but then also the leadership component because leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I just had this just undying love for people and just serving them and adding value to their lives. And so over these years, these 24 years now, I have literally just lived this. And so um, some years back, I went ahead and went through his certification program, became one of his certified coaches. And I've been out there ever since, you know, doing this and rocking and rolling at it and just being able to serve individuals, entrepreneurs and organizations. So how do you go from, you know, being this guitar rocker dude, you know, ended up, you know, being, you know, working, helping the church with their worship from that to starting a business and getting into marketing. I mean, how, what, what was that transition like? Well, it was all around story because everyone has a story to tell. Music tells a story. You know, one of the things I like to tell people is like, if you write lyrics, the lyrics are calling or asking for music. What's cool about that is there's an interpretation that each person by reading those words, their soundscapes that begin to happen in their mind around what that should sound like. Hmm. So even if you see these people taking a great song and redoing it, you know, of course the original is the original, especially if it's made any impact on the world or made a mark on the world. But it's awesome when you see someone take a song and make it their own because of those lyrics. So those lyrics are calling for something. Well, it's the same thing with music. If you just sit down and create musically, there's a story there that needs to be told. Maybe it's done with lyrics or maybe it's done with the, whatever the melody is, whatever that melody line is. And that's what you do. And then you can bring in the voice, whether it's a saxophone or a guitar or, you know, it's the piano that's driving all of that. So there's always a story to be told. And so for me, when it came to obviously leading people in worship, because I believe worship is our weapon, you know, and that is my belief, you know, but my value is people. My value is still helping people have access to something or to be able to do something or say something that they normally wouldn't know how to get started on their own. Mm -hmm. And so that was that foundational part. But when it came time for that transition, you know, I bet I felt like it was better for me or I was able to serve people better by not being in just a local environment as, you know, in church as a creative pastor or something like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. I felt like I could get out into the world. You know, that's where salt and light needed to go. And that's mm -hmm. where I wanted to be and be able to meet people and help them with their story. See, they're writing the greatest story ever told, which is their life. Mm -hmm. And some people are aware 
more aware of what their life looks like and others are not. But we're and always so what did you get, what did you guys actually do? I mean, so when you started this company, what, what did you guys actually do? And it was called it's not peculiar. It? We're peculiar oh, yeah. people. That's right. We're <laughs> we're different. We're not, you know, we're we're not the usual. And mm-hmm. so um and so uh, I guess what you're asking is, what did we do to get out there to start it? I literally walked away. I literally said, I want to get on the edge of uncertainty. I want to take what I know about myself, that I'm a leader, communicator, and an artist. I want to bring this into the world to help people know that they could be more, do more, and have more. And so taking that with the foundational stuff to understand what influence is, that you may have the worst, you can influence people in the worst ways or the best ways or somewhere right. in the middle. And what I realized was there's impact that can be made and people's lives can advance, but it is that uphill climb that if it's worth it, you're going to have to put in the time that others won't. You're going to have to make sacrifices others won't. You're going to have to think like others won't. You're going to have to do so many of the things and you're going to have to be the one to create momentum. You're going to have to be the one to, you know, not outsource your thinking, but to solve your problems. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is, you know, to understand who you are, you know, what you're doing, how you're going to do it, but ultimately where you're going. You want mm-hmm. to define these paths. So begin with the end in mind, back up to where you are and get started. Mm-hmm. And so that's so that what was we a did. Big, that, that was a risk. I mean, going from getting a paycheck to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When, when when Amy and I, you know, when, when we talked about it and I was like, is this the time? And and we both looked at each other and was like, well, where's the money going to come from? And we were like, <laughs> well. I believe the wealth is within us. I believe that every one of us have the ability to produce wealth. And it's not just finances. It's mm-hmm. mental, emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual. And I believe that we have that. It's in us. That's what mm-hmm. I believe God put into us. And therefore, with that belief, I was able to put the value there that says that my possibilities can become probabilities. Mm-hmm. But so I you guys to start, and, and And you guys started a marketing agency. You did video. You did a whole bunch of different stuff. What are some of the things you did in oh, your agency? It, it was basically, yeah, it was, so it was the components and pieces of things, but the the, the desire was to help people tell a full story mm. instead of just one-off stuff. So yes, video, web-related stuff, your design, anything creative, what you know, brand tone and voice, those types mm-hmm. of things. Um, so it wasn't just, you know, it was vernacular as well as all the aesthetics, right? And all the things that would help people move the message. But what got increasingly more frustrating for me was in the success of that, even in the heyday of that before, especially before the economy tanked, which was a great thing to shift. It was a great help to shift um, the way we were doing things. So even though that happened to everyone, it happened, I believe, for everyone. If we would use that disruption as a way to realign and, and to make adjustments. So what would bother me was people would want to just outsource it to you, get you to make it. They would take it and put it to work. But what I was looking for, where's the ownership in this? And then how do you collaborate and how do you take this and not just look for a here's my solution and this is the magic thing that will work to help me sell more of my stuff? It was like, what's the story that you're telling and does this have shelf life or are you going to constantly every year be redoing your campaign? Was that difficult to get people to to buy into that? Yes. And it was difficult because of, once again, so many different opinions and so many different beliefs that I always saw that people failed to see the necessity to really work together and to, you know, 
be flexible to not just come in with closed cannon thinking that everything was finished, Mm -hmm. that things need to be able to live and breathe and move. And so I started noticing more and more the trouble of the problem is people. It's like, it's not your stuff. It's not your products, not your service. It's people, Mm -hmm. especially with a company because they may have money to throw at their problem. But the thing is, is as you're throwing money, you're losing people or people aren't growing and getting better to where you can do you can you can go farther by going slower that you mm-hmm. can if you in, if you dig deeper, you can go higher. And so I would want to bring these teams together. They would just want to talk about the website or the branding stuff. And I wanted to talk to them about how they're getting to these conclusions and what type of collaboration and and what's the thinking behind this and all of that stuff. And how are you guys building relationships to get better? And that's where my mind would always go. And that's when I decided, let this continue to live. But I gradually started extracting myself out, which is part Mm -hmm. of my uphill Mm -hmm. to say it's time to change gears and put a different focus into, you know, get a different focus for myself and really do the thing that I want, which is focus on the people aspect of what's going on. So tell me about a success you guys had with a, a business and organization that really bought into this this mind this this thought of of, of uh, really focusing broader on in, in their marketing or in their their business. Well, there one comes to mind, which which is kind of interesting. It's a manufacturing company, and um, not sorry, not a manufacturing company. It's a development and construction company, and so they had a unique model. So they came out of the traditional way of doing construction and development, which was basically everything is hired. You know, you hire different crews, you know, to come in and they do the work, and then someone will be a super, and then you're, you're the GC if you're the developer. Well, what they did was hire. They had the GCs on staff. They hired their supers, they hired, you know, informants. Mm-hmm. And then they also hired a lot of their own skilled labor so they could actually, you know, move better. Here's the problem. Everybody still had the old way of doing things. So mm-hmm. what I did was I was able to come in and I take them through, I do what's called like an insight audit and I help them do, you know, it's discovery. It's, it's observation, introspection for where you ultimately want to go. So you take the insight, you, you know, you're doing insight, you introspect, you observe, then you bring that information together and say, what is the outcome that we want? Now, in order to do this, we have to know our roles and our goals and our responsibilities. So I've had big 3M sticky boards up, took them through it. Mm-hmm. Everybody put on there what they felt like they should be doing and what would bring the greatest value to the macro picture of the organization. And then they would put it there. And then what they thought that was in their job description that they didn't think they should be doing, they were charged to assign that to where they thought it should go. And if they weren't sure, there was a separate sticky pad up on the wall board uh, piece of paper that just went in there like I don't know so everybody had their own color and they were able mm-hmm. to do that through that we looked at the the obstacles in making some of those shifts we redefined what each person's role goal and responsibility was the ownership level went way up for each mm-hmm. individual and then they were began they began to optimize themselves they had the necessary redundancies instead of the unnecessary ones meaning someone knew something about a project so there was never if someone was out sick or they ha- they were tied up at another job someone could step in and have the information you know with shared sh- a shared system and a repository of information all these things they cut their inefficiencies down which was great they were able to change the way they do things and ultimately the company came up with the company's name they named it their way which was mm-hmm. the company's name plus the way mm-hmm. and so when they meet with a client they lay out their way in front of them or a, pr- a probable purchaser they were able to show that to them 
And then ultimately the the customer would be really, really comfortable because they would say these guys, you know, they know what they're talking about. They can add value to us. They care about us and they and we can trust them. So it was a win for them and a win for you guys. Absolutely. And that's when I really started noticing that is the model that I want to work with. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter what industry it is. It's still people. It's you Mm -hmm. still have key ingredients that are necessary to be a team that's not just successful. I believe significant is first because everybody on the team needs to feel like an individual. Everybody on the team needs to be able to self-actualize. And ultimately every person on the team wants to make a difference. And so that's the individual part. That's the micro for the individual. Now that somehow you have to bring that together with everyone and what they believe. But then if you get stuck on beliefs, that can be a snag because this person can believe this, this person believes that, another person believes another thing. That's why you have to put values there. You have to become more values driven. But the only way you're going to discover those shared values is to have conversation about them. And how do you begin to help people change what they believe, maybe even about themselves? Well, the that's a great question. Um, the, the key is I don't – my goal is not to get them to change what they believe. I want them to align what they believe with a va- with their values. In other words, their values are going to come from their belief. But if there's a belief that is causing them to hang up, what I do first is say, so basically tell me what you want your legacy to be. If there was going to be a legacy over this thing that you're doing, what would you want it to state? They tell me that. I say, okay, good. So the second thing is, what would you believe are the priorities you need to establish in order to make that legacy true? And then they would write those out. And then I'd say the third thing is, okay, so now let's talk about getting from here to there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what's nice about that in that conversation, they begin to look at themselves. They begin Mm -hmm. to challenge their own paradigms. That's Mm -hmm. the key is to, I'm a big ask what questions or question the question and not just why, why are you doing that? Why do you think that way? My thing is what, what about that? you know, helps you to believe that this will be a success if you do it Mm -hmm. instead of why do you think that's the best way? Why can make a person defensive? It can put them back on their heels. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. I want to start with why when it comes to my purpose, but I don't want to bring questions to people that all start with why I want to get into the what stuff. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? What do you see? What do you really think about this and help people really look at it differently, change their point of view. So I want to get into a little bit. Uh, what about failure? I mean, have you guys just like really bombed on something? And how did that shape your thought processes and how did that shape your business? Well, failure is only bad if you don't learn anything. So right. that's my rule that I always, you know, I, I tell that to my kids and anybody I engage is like, and then give yourself permission to fail. So yeah, there were some big, big mistakes. You know, I had one where I was working with someone and it ended up being a $55,000 nightmare for me. Mm. Um, and so the thing was, it was the burn that I felt wouldn't have, it, it, it wouldn't even compare to the burn that I would feel if I didn't learn to do something different. Right. And so within that failure, what I discovered was it was more about it wasn't about them. It was me owning the outcome regardless. It was me saying the reason it stung as bad as it did at first, it wasn't just money. It was mostly because what I did was neglect to keep my eye and not just my eyes up, keep my head up and my eyes up looking at what I call my emerging future. And because of that, I let myself get distracted, which goes against a lot of 
you know, the way that I like to do things, you know, another shiny thing, or here's an opportunity. So in these things that people were handing me to do, what I did did was I began to lose track of what the overall focus was supposed to be because it was like, well, I like to serve people I like to help. So they need this. Let me help them with this. Well, through that whole, you know, time that there was a lot of momentum, but going in a lot of different directions instead of it being concentrated into one direction where it should have been the whole time. I should have said to these people, Hey, look, it's better for us to pause this because this is just going to be something that will dilute the potency, you know, for the wind and energy that we need to move in the direction that we're going. And I did not do that. So it ended up being a very costly mistake for me, but it also was very harmful, um, obviously to the organization because of course they, they weren't mad at me, you know, but there Mm -hmm. had to be a necessary ending because they couldn't afford anymore. I should have stopped them. And it was because I just, I got blinded by my own desire to serve and help. And because of that, I said I had the curse of being capable. So I kept saying yes, when I should have been saying no and told them this is why. No is one of the hardest things, the hardest words to say. Well, <laughs> yes, it's very hard. And it's funny because I'm going to be putting an Instagram post up about this. I literally I'm not kidding. It's so funny. And we yeah. have not talked about this, but literally here's the thing. No is only hard when you're not clear. Hmm. It's true. You see what I'm saying? And yes, true. you know what I mean? And yes, will feel good. When you're clear Mm -hmm. and you know, so it's like the person that says, Hey, I would really like you to do this, but yet you end up saying, you know, I don't want to say no to him. I'll feel bad and all these other things. Well, first of all, that person's not God and they're not your divine appointed covering. So Hmm. you have to understand that we're responsible to people, but not for people. I'm responsible for my kids when they're children, but once they become adults, I'm responsible to them, not for them. I'm only responsible for myself. And if I'm mindful of people, I will do it for the right reasons. That's why I need to be clear. Clarity and specificity are always better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and if I have a theory about if I'm clear, I don't want to just make a decision based on theory. I want to make a decision based on evidence. Evidence is always better than theory. Try to be an Mm -hmm. attorney and go to court and convict on theory. We'll never happen. (laughs) It won't be a win. (laughs) So in music... Does your music choice change when you want to be creative? Yes, that's a great question. And it does. And that's the other thing. I'm very eclectic. So I have a plethora of music. I have, I mean, not just, I mean, I'm not talking about iTunes, but I've got records. You know, I'm an old vinyl guy. So I'm more analog than I am digital. I, I appreciate digital, but I like, I like playing something from beginning to end to get everything in context. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of how I go into creativity. I like to just get into a mode and I don't want to have random things happening. So yes, it'll jump. It could be something that's very classical. It could be something just, you know, good old standards, jazz standards. It could be just something very instrumental um, as far as like, I mean, what they call like new world kind of music or atmospheric Mm -hmm. type stuff. Um, I may throw on, sometimes I can get a little melancholic, but it doesn't mean, like I'm more creative on a cloudy day than I am on sunny days. It's because- why is that? Well, because I believe that we already have blue skies and sunshine in us you know Mm. so if you were to go up in the air thirty thousand feet guess what the clouds that are covering us don't touch the blue skies and sunshine and so for me i only see a gray sky as a canvas to paint on it's almost like it's been gessoed Mm. for us so for me it's a reminder 
And so I like to take my blue skies and sunshine and bring it out. But I'll put on a melancholic thing on a cloudy day, like a Nora Jones or something like that. And I'll just let it play. And I may even, if I do get on iTunes, I'll play her whole series of albums and just let them go while I'm in the process of doing something because I find a thread and I go with it and I try to do it without disruption. Hmm. So has your choice of music and even your creative choice of music changed over the years? Um, I, I think it's gotten a little bit more defined um, as far as like what my go to sources are or what are those things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's not just grabbing a hold of whatever new thing that comes out that everybody, you know, claps their hands to or moves a little bit to or nods their head to. Um, mm-hmm. I think the thing it's changed the most is that I've moved away from all the cool new things that are out there as far as equipment, gear and all those things and going back to just really still smart, intelligent playing. And it's really just that's what's happened most. That's what's changed in me is I stopped continuing to follow where it was going and coming back to not only what it was and what it is, but how to just really continue to develop on just good playing in really good parts and space and all that stuff. I was going to say, I was going to ask, are you still playing? You, you, Not as much as it? I should be, um, mm-hmm. but that is something because I have a, you know, a 2000 square foot studio. And the last thing I recorded, it was a while back. Oh, gosh, seven years ago. But John McConnell, who, you know, he and I have been yeah. talking about getting back together and just making music just to make it not to put it out there in the world, but just to. Right just to record it you know a record is a record you know it's like i got tons of voice memos of me doing all kinds of things and you just keep them it's still a log it's to me it's Mm -hmm. like it's a creative journal you know so in your transition from being a just a full-on marketing agency to you know launching your uphill strategies uh organization was there a personal transformation or a challenge that pushed you into this direction No, it was me. Well, yes. So it was a personal challenge. The fact that I was um, um, I was not in alignment with the deeper things that I knew that I was put on the earth to do. You know, even, you know, my last name, even the derivative is it it means shepherd. Hmm. And I've always believed that I I shepherd people, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, but I'm more of visionary shepherding, you know, like people ask me like, you know, what's the difference between a coach and a mentor? And I say that, well, they're not synonymous because a lot of people make them interchangeable. Mentors share their experiences and coaches, you know, what they do is they, they, they help you unlock things with powerful questions. And so what I was doing was, you know, just with the curse of being capable, I was focusing my time and energy on all the things that I was capable of doing instead of focusing on the thing that I should be doing. And so basically the way I term it is I was treating it like my internal redheaded stepchild. And I kept stuffing down everything that was inside of me to, and once again, in my desire to help and serve other people doing things that help them. But in the process, it was getting more and more difficult for me to watch other people continue to prosper doing the things that I'm helping them with. But yet all the while I'm not getting to where ultimately I feel my life was supposed to be going. And so that was my challenge. So how do you go from the, 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 the capable to the should? That's, that's a great question. Um, once again, it goes back to priorities. Remember, it, it gets to that one, two, three. You know, what, what do I want my legacy to be? You know, mm-hmm. and then what are my priorities? And I had to begin with the end in mind. And so and then how do I get from here to there? It's being crystal clear 
on, once again, now this is where the why is. What is my why? What's my purpose? As a leader, a communicator, and an artist, right? As a creative individual and knowing my passion is people. So how do I, what's the conduit now to get to the people with those three nouns that I know are, I mean, I'm more, I have other nouns too, but those are the ones I work with. And so it was, and then, and then ultimately knowing I wanted to have fulfillment. I wanted to feel significant. I wanted to have the individuation. I wanted to have the self-actuation, self-actualization. I wanted to make the difference. And so what I was realizing was all I had to do is start looking at all those things. I knew I could do them. I saw the people smile and that brought me some satisfaction, but it didn't do anything to let me know that I was on the right road. So as I identified, I made a to a not to do list. <laughs> so I made a do not do list instead of a to do list. And so what I was left with, what I should do. Hmm. Boy, this is the stuff they should be teaching in university. Heck yeah. Once again, (laughs) listen, education, it's pretty much, this is what I said. I think it's great to get one. You know, our our kids, yours graduated from Furman and mine's in Furman right now. And the oldest, the other one's on his way eventually. But in school, it's just too many answers to remember instead of problems to solve. And then people get out in the world and that's what they do. They outsource their thinking. Hmm. And the best gift you can give someone is a bunch of loose ends for them to tie up. Hmm. You know, coming, you know, thinking of the whole, you know, capability versus, you know, purpose is, is like, you know, thinking of Spencer, he's going to be graduating, you know, my son's going to be graduating in a couple months and he's very capable filmmaker. He's an amazing filmmaker, but helping him understand the greater purpose and where that can he be his, really his fulfillment is fulfilling that greater purpose brings you much more success in life than just a pocket full of money. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is I know a lot of people with a lot of money and they're very unhappy and miserable. You know, they <laughs> yeah, have no lots kidding. of money and, and it's, you know, because there's no real fulfillment. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how many trips you take. You know, when, if you're sitting there at the end of your life, you're not going to sit there and go, gosh, I wish I would have made more money. I guarantee right. the things that you think about are going to be things that are either going to, you're going to have regret or you're going to be thinking about what you didn't do. Or, you know, my rule is this. If you go to a graveyard, you'll see a tombstone and there's remains in the ground, (laughs) remains in a coffin. The (laughs) thing that I try to get people to understand is there's a space between the dates, the born and died. And that (laughs) space is called your life. And here's the thing. And it's not that long. (laughs) No, it's not. But the thing that I try to get people to say is don't die a thief. In other words, there's a gift in you. There was talents and skills. There was time that was given to you that you were supposed to manage. And so that maybe there's a book or a song or a course or something, a business you should have started or someone that, you know, you could have walked alongside and build something great. But if that's in the grave and you didn't do it, Hmm. you die. That's like dying like a thief. That means I robbed your children's children, possibly. And that's why I said, I don't want to die a thief. Wow. And it's a powerful picture and it helps you to get a little bit more, you know, put some urgency on thinking about what you're doing and Mm -hmm. don't say, well, tomorrow, listen, if you don't have time today to think about these things and really get brutally honest with it today, when will you have time to do it tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, as we get older, we tend to think about these things a little more and I look back and, and I'm not looking back in regret, but I look back and saying, man, if I'd have thought about some of these things when I was 25. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Listen, man, listen, I am a, I mean, I don't even know there's a number for how rich I'd be. Mark, you'd be saying Mark Zuckerberg, who? Because Listen, you know why? Because 
all the things that I see that I say, man, I thought about that. I, my wife will even come to me and hold up something on her phone and say, honey, look, remember 10 years ago when you said this <laughs> and she shows it to me and I'm like, see the difference is I was thinking about it. Someone else was doing it. Doing right. Right. And they were yep. aligning themselves with, it. and it's not, once again, it's not about the money. I mean, gosh, if I had a hundred million dollars, I'm not taking trips, vacations and retiring. You know what right. I'm going to do? My big thing is I want to build. I've said this before. If I had that type of resource, I would build or buy a big house in Annapolis, Maryland, an inspirational place. And I would have young people come and live there who weren't sure what they were going to do with their life rather than just go spend four years in college and then land on some major and then hope it all works out. But mm -hmm. they would come and they would live there. I'd pick a group. I'd have some other people help me. And literally we would take them through just personal growth and development because mm -hmm. your, your work is not you. You are not defined by your work unless you define yourself that way. You are not your work. You're the intrinsic value. And you're the gold, in other words, that backs the currency, the work or everything else you do. So I want to help them be one person. They'd clean, they would cook, they would do all these things. So they wouldn't just sit there and just sit around all day and just get these sessions. No, they would do real things. They'd have to go to the sure. grocery store. They'd have to shop. They'd have to figure out some life skills, lots of stuff. But that's what I would do with that money. I would invest in things like that. I'd, I'd do my own shark tank, but I wouldn't want to stake in the business. I would just say, here's the requirements. You have to have a coach. You have to have a mentor. And then you have to also have a mentee and you're going to coach somebody, a coachee, and you're going to do this and then show me your plan. Here's your money. Go do your thing. If, if I like the idea, that's what, I'm, that's what I would do. That's wow. the way I would do stuff. And I would just keep doing more of the same. See, my goal is not to retire. My goal is to be fulfilled and I don't want to be done until I've released it all. That is so powerful. My goal is not to retire. My goal is to be fulfilled. I mean, you can you can put that on a plaque and stick it on your wall. I mean, that's <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so what what are the? I mean, we've been so wired, or so not really wired, but really been so uh, brainwashed, I guess, into thinking. You know, go to college, get a degree, get a job, work till I'm sixty five or whatever, retire, live the good life. Right. Right. Why not start at 30 living the good life and and live it all your life? Well, I think, yes. And I believe that's the key. But I think one of the things I've been doing with with, you know, my kids, Amy and I have really tried to get them to understand. And we do it through a lot of questions. It's once again, we're still their authority. But even with, you know, you can coach your kids, you know, what's on your mind. That's the question. And the first answer is not the answer. And what else? Right. It's learning to dig those things, but also getting them to have some space to get them to tap into that visual cortex of their thinking. Get them into some more spatial intelligence where they start to use imagination, but not just let it float out there as this thing that's far away. Instead of it being, can this happen for me? It's do I want this? We try to help our kids get closer and closer to that question instead of, is that possible? We want to get them closer to, do I I want this because that becomes a different conversation form. Even at a young age, do I want this? 
You know what I'm saying? Then they can pull it into now. Does this do I need this? Will this work? You know, for where I say I want to go. So I believe it's really starting with them when they're younger so that when they do hit 30, you know what I mean? That's when they're I mean, they're they have a lot of that foundational stuff in them. I believe accelerate the deeper deeper parts of who they are and how they show up more so than the thing that they can do. I wanted to I want them to focus on the and who they can be and then take mm. who they are into what it is that they can do. Well, I think I think you and I have some things to talk about offline because I think <laughs> I, I'm thinking about some of these things as well. And and uh, I think we need to uh, get together and put our heads together. Uh, so what are some of the and, and you've kind of alluded to this early on, but what are some of the books, the podcasts, the leaders, people that have most influenced you and why? Wow, man. Um, well, spiritually, Watchman Nee. Um, I just love Watchman Nee. It's real deep stuff. Um, C.S. Lewis, obviously very, very deep. Um, that just, I like thinking. I like really having to sit with my thoughts. Um, another one, it's it's a new book. It's called No Hard Feelings by um, Liz and Molly. Um, Liz Fosseline and Molly West Duffy, I believe is her name. And, um, but it deals with, you know, feelings and, you know, learn to feel your feelings, but also there is a thinking component and they're not separate. You can bring them together. And so that's a great book, but the biggest impact on me, I would say, hands down, John Maxwell, the simplicity it's not overdone. It's not talking over your head. Um, any of John's books. I just love them all. They're so practical. They're so simple. Um, and that's what we need. I mean, even scientists do their job to take complicated things and simplify them so that you can understand. That's the goal of science, right? Mm -hmm. To bring complicated things into something that is tangible. Um, but Ryan Holiday, I love, excuse me, um, Ryan Holiday, The Obstacles the Way. Ego is the Enemy, Tasha Yurik, a book she wrote called Insight, which is a phenomenal book um, that I recommend and I cannot you know, put down. I read it over and over again. Um, I just love it. Um, also, I love um, a lot of Brene Brown's books. They're very good um, uh, as far as, you know, what she's bringing out as, you know, ways to really look at things. These are in a lot of these are point of view stuff. And then Flow by Mihai. And I forget how to pronounce the rest of his name, but <laughs> Flow is really a great book. I mean, I love books that deal with neuroscience and things like that. And then obviously the number one go to source book for me, obviously, is the Bible, because every principle that's in the Bible is everything that everyone else is writing about. So I'm not going to argue with someone whether science and the Bible agree or someone else's mm -hmm. belief is the same. Um, mm -hmm. It's the value. And to me, they're, they're still principles. And so that's the beauty of what the Bible has taught me to do as well, is learn how to get on common ground with people and barbecue first to mm -hmm. help people belong into believing. And, and so it doesn't matter what room I walk into. I don't need to present them with my you know, my, my Christian card, I'm a believer and I walk in the room and none of that changes. Mm -hmm. I get to take principles that I believe are, are from God and they are universally known and the world works according to those. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's the only way I operate. Yeah, very, very good. What's the next big thing for you? Well, I'm going to be launching an online course and I'm glad. And here's what I'll do when I get this course. It's going to be hopefully within the next three months. I'm going to be where I want it to be. But your audience, when you get it out there, I'll do something for them. I'll send it to you where you can get them on. But I'm going to start talking about it prior to the launch. But this online course is literally a framework for helping people to create lift for their life. And then when you think of mm -hmm. lift, 
All I want you to think about is air travel, flight. And there are certain things that air, that um, aeronautics have that are exactly the same things that we need to think about as people as we're living our life. And so it's an online course. I've been doing this with my with my clients. And so this one is going to be focused for individuals. So you can use it with your family. You can use it and it's going to have a spiritual. You can apply it spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, or financially. You can apply it to relationship. You can look at this model. It's a framework that mm-hmm. deals with key components. So four that deal with flight or five that deal with flight and one that deals with what your future it needs to be or what you want it to be. And I'm going to be making this course and I'll be putting it up. And, um, and it's been so good with the companies that first I said, I'm going to roll it out for individuals. And then I'm going to make one that's just for businesses and how it would relate the same framework, exact same model for businesses. So I want to do that because I've seen the success and how it's helped individuals because here's the thing. It's not just come to your job, do your job because I told you so. Each one of these people are their own. They have their own free moral agency. They are their own, you know, unique individual. And when you bring them together, that's when your cultures can shift and all these things. So my thing is, is instead of just setting goals for people, bring in personal development goals. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is personal growth first. And then I set all my other goals, because if I just go after goals and I'm not growing personally, Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen, right? You don't just grow right. because you set a goal. So I'm, I don't set goals until I know I'm growing. And I, then I start taking steps to grow into and toward my goal. And because if I just chase goals, once I reach that goal, I'm done. And I look for another mm-hmm. one and I look for another one, but it doesn't mean anything in me is changing. So wow, that's, that's the reason I'm doing this. And I want to help people. And it's going to be a I'm talking. This is a very signature mega course. The first time I've ever done anything like this, because mm-hmm. I usually do it in groups. I usually do it, mm-hmm. you know, at a conference or in a, in a workshop or I do it in a business. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm now going to take this and I want to put it out there because once again, it's for people and I can't be everywhere. And I believe it's something that's very different and very unique. It's just my recipe, you know, around personal mm-hmm. growth and development. So, you know, I, I tell people it's like this. If you and I cooked, if we had 10 people come over and we had 10 grills set up and we threw brisket out there and we had our own cook off. <laughs> right. What we would say is, you know, make yours and we're going to see which one is the best. Right. <laughs> and so we let them. Here's the thing. It's their recipe. But they're right. all good. But our your taste and my taste will pick which one we like. And maybe they're different. It's because right. it's based on taste. So this is yeah. me bringing it out into the world because I don't want to sit there and think, well, who am I to think this? I'm not the ad imposter. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. who I look at it like this. Who out there needs this? And so that's what's driving me. I want to awesome. put something out there for them. Well, that is awesome. That's really exciting. And Looking forward to hearing more about that. Where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they uh, you know, connect with you? Well, let me, here's the thing. Um, I love for communication uh, and people can talk to me anytime they like. Um, and I just want to be clear. I am a person that I love to invest in people. I help them grow. So in a coaching capacity, you know, I'm a ride along partner. Okay. So that's for individuals, entrepreneurs, their teams. So whether it's organizational, if they're in a, comp- a company, but then I'm big into when it comes to companies, organizational health as the competitive advantage. So it's it's not a product or a service.
service a competitive advantage is a healthy organization, which consists of healthy people. So I want to say that first so people know when you're reaching out um, for that. So the main place you can find me, um, I'm not a big socialite on social media. I only use it when I really have something to say and it's not to sell anything, but they can find me on, I have three Instagram channels. One is at Tim Pecoraro. The second one is for my podcast, Uphill Conversations, and that's at Uphill Convo. And then for my company, it's at Uphill Strategies. And then the websites you can find me are up at, I'm sorry, UphillStrategies.co. It's just .co, not .com. And then the podcast is UphillConversations.co, co, not .com as well. And I have a way to say contact me or connect with me. Um, that will be great. And if they want to email me, please do so. You can do it at Tim at UphillStrategies.co. And I like to answer questions. And if someone's inquiring more, if they things they want to learn about that I do or whatever, and I can, you know, I'll gladly chat with them. And if I have the, the capacity in the margin, um, you know, maybe we can do something. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the program today. It's been so much fun talking to you and catching up a little bit and learning more about what you do. And uh, really appreciate your time. Well, hey, I thank you for getting me uh, on your show. And man, I love you very much. You know that. And I value you and appreciate you. And you've always been a, a guy that continues to keep going. And you've been doing your uphill cl climb. And I love it, man. <laughs> and I love it. And seeing you launch this podcast and you having me on as a guest, I'm honored. And, um, and I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously. And I just hope that the things I shared will be helpful for your audience. Thanks, Tim, for spending time with me on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation and look forward to catching up with you again soon. And thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you hit the subscribe button and please share it with your friends and family. And I'm also eager, desperately waiting to hear your feedback. Let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. And click on the five stars or four or three or... Click on one of the stars and let me know what you think. Be sure to tune in next Monday for a very special interview I had recently with Devin Thorpe. Devin is an author, he's an educator, speaker, and the founder of Your Mark on the World Center. Devin has established himself as a champion of social good. He's a sought-after speaker and, in fact, has spoken twice at the United Nations. And next week... You'll hear from him right here on the My Story podcast. Hey, if you like the music on today's show, it's from my friend Drew Davidson. You can get his latest single, Your Love is Raining Down on Me, and hear all his music on Spotify or drewdavidson.com, and you can also get his music on iTunes. And last, if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast.